Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Anand. And you're listening to What Do We Even Know Anyways, a podcast where we answer questions that you've never even thought about asking. So this week on What Do We Even Know Anyways, we wanted to talk about something that's close to our hearts, which is the planet Pluto. Yeah, so we want to start a little bit uh, with the discovery of Pluto. So it's actually a relatively recent discovery. Um, it was discovered in 1930 by Clyde W. Tombaugh at the Lowell Observatory. But in order to understand the context for this discovery, you have to go back a little bit further. So Percival Lowell uh, actually founded the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona in the early 1900s. And he's a wealthy businessman, I think from the Northeast somewhere, but he kind of has this side project, this hobby for astronomy. So Percival Lowell wanted to start the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. And he ended up doing this because he had this dream to find a ninth planet. He wanted to be the person uh, responsible for this discovery. So he starts this observatory in Arizona and he's employing all these astronomers, doing everything he can to find another planet. And eventually he notices these abnormalities in Neptune and Uranus's orbit, which kind of to him suggest another planet because uh, there's got to be some mass or some object that's big enough to create these uh, shifts in their orbit. So when I first heard about how Lowell hypothesized the existence of this planet, I thought that was really cool because he had sort of created something out of nothing. He had hypothesized the existence of a planet X with only using two known orbits. But when I started looking more into this method, it turns out that Lowell wasn't the first person to do this. So there was this mathematician named Urbain Le Verrier, and in 1846, he predicted the existence of a large planet based on irregularities in the orbit of Uranus. And later that year, uh, it was discovered that Neptune uh, existed, and which uh, was a large planet that could account for these uh, differences in the uh, orbit of Uranus. So it turns out that uh, the method that Lowell was using uh, wasn't unique, and someone had thought in this way before. Yeah, definitely. So at this point, um, Percival Lowell and his team at the observatory, they have some ideas and some evidence that there is a planet X, a ninth planet that he dreams to find. Um, But unfortunately, shortly after, Percival Lowell dies in 1916. And at this point, they've kind of found some possible coordinates for a ninth planet, but the search took a stop, took a break for a few years, and nothing really happened. But that is until 1929, um, and we're still at the Lowell Observatory in Arizona, and the man I mentioned earlier, Clyde W. Tomba, resumes the search. And in order to search for planets, Tomba would photograph the night sky um, in two-week intervals. And then he would look at these photos back-to-back using a machine called a blink comparator, which would basically shift back and forth between the two images really quickly in order to try to observe small differences, small um, kind of irregularities that signal motion. And, you know, this is kind of a menial task, and he's just doing it you know, every week, every two weeks. But eventually, after a year in 1930, 
he finally found finds a moving object, this ninth planet, this planet X. So what we'll find about Pluto and what you probably already know is that its story is a story about scientific failure and maybe even the evolution of scientific beliefs. But what you might not know is that this history of scientists getting it wrong with Pluto actually starts from its discovery. So what that means is that uh, its discovery was most likely a fluke based on what we now know about the orbits of Neptune and Uranus and uh, now the mass of Pluto. So about 50 years after uh, the discovery of Pluto, these two scientists, James Christie and Robert Harrington, they discover one of the moons of Pluto, uh, which is later named Charon. And from this discovery, they can calculate the mass of Pluto for the first time. And when they calculate this mass, they find out that it's much too small to account for any change in the orbit of uh, Uranus or Neptune. So it turns out that uh, Lowell was most likely just very lucky in assuming that there was a planet around where Pluto was, because there was no scientific basis for his claim that a planet like Pluto should exist in that area. But either way, at this point, the year is 1930, and our solar system now has nine planets. But the ninth planet, planet X at this point, needs a name, and the Lowell Observatory has the right to choose the name uh, because they were the ones who discovered it. So a lot of names are suggested. Some that I remember are uh, Kronos, which is of course the god of time. And another one that I remember is Loelofa, uh, which is after Lowell. But of course, what they end up going with is Pluto, which is actually suggested by an 11 year old girl who was living in Oxford, England and Pluto after uh, the name of the god of the underworld. Yeah, so um, Venetia Bernie, this 11-year-old girl that you mentioned, uh, decides on Pluto for the name, or she rather she suggests Pluto for the name, and the little observatory chooses this one. And it's really an apt name at this point for the planet because uh, Pluto is the god of the underworld, like we've said, and that's such a dark and mysterious place. And kind of that's the same for Pluto, the planet, which is such a faraway, dark place that we just don't know much about at this point. Um, so now it is still 1930 and we have nine planets in our solar system. And this lasted for many years, over 75 years really. And just brief side note, the solar system uh, in that time period did actually change because the orbit of Pluto is actually so strange that for a period of about 20 years, its orbit comes inside the orbit of Neptune, which meant that for, for that period of time, Pluto was actually the eighth planet uh, from the sun and uh, Neptune was the ninth. Yeah, exactly. Um, from I think 1979 to 1999, like you said, Pluto was actually closer to Neptune and that gave uh, scientists a great opportunity to learn more about Pluto, um, which they did. Yeah, and as the 21st century begins, of course, we know what is about to come, and the announcement actually occurs on August 24th, 2006. The recommendation is that we consider 
Pluto to be in a special class. Today in Prague, the International Astronomical Union downgraded Pluto from planet to dwarf planet. Nine planets, everybody learned that in school. But Pluto got ignominiously dumped today. And now all the school books are going to have to change. So we actually got the opportunity to talk to Matthew Propp, who is the head of the astronomy club at the school that Ayanand and I attend, Westminster. And he talked to us about why Pluto lost its status as a planet and, as some say, was demoted to a dwarf planet. So Matthew, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, I'm Matthew Propp. I'm the lead for the astronomy club. I've been the, I was the lead last year and I'm going to be the lead for this year, hopefully if we have astronomy we don't really know what's going on for clubs this year but we're excited we usually just talk about the solar system space and we just every once in a while we'll go out and look at the stars so just a really great fun club for us and we do some amateur astronomy so we asked prop about what exactly got pluto demoted and he told us that the story goes further back than you might expect pluto was redefined in august of 2006 when the decision by the IAU, International Astronomical Union, decided to recategorize as a dwarf planet. But the interesting story is how humans have wrestled with the idea of what is a planet for pretty much the history of us looking up at the sky. So in the beginning, you know, there's no telescopes. You have the viewing device of the human eye to see the sky. And the only planets you can see are Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And we kind of define these planets as separate from the other stars because if you look up at the sky, all the stars will move together because they're so far away and they're moving very little in comparison to how far away they are. But the planets move completely different because they're orbiting the sun along with us and you can very distinctly recognize that they are different from the other stars. So we have this definition of a planet which is it moves across the sky unlike the other stars. And in this, they also defined the moon and the sun as planets because they also don't move like the other stars and they're bright and visible in the sky. So we're already off to a really bad start with planet definitions. Fortunately, Copernicus redefined the solar system with the sun at the center. And with that, the moon became a satellite of Earth. And we drew down to our six planets of Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And everything looks really good, and we don't have anything to break this up until we really got into telescopes and we found more. So yeah, Uranus was discovered in 1781, and it was a pretty, it didn't really shake anything up. It's a fairly big planet. It seems to work in the idea that how planets are spread out. It's decently far from Saturn. Nothing really shattering, but it was still like, it was the first planet discovered by telescope the first planet that we couldn't see with the naked eye. What came interesting was the next planet. And I'm just going to leave you guys, what do you think was the next planet discovered? Neptune. It was not. Uh, the next planet discovered was Ceres, which is a currently categorized as a dwarf planet slash asteroid in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. Astronomers had predicted there should, they had the idea of planets being evenly spread and they were thinking, oh, there's too much of a gap between Mars and Jupiter. There has to be something in the middle. So they actually had predicted and were looking for a planet in this area. And they found Ceres. So it fit, 
the idea there should be something there. And all was good for about a year and a half before they discovered another object in that area known as Pallas, which is about half as big as Ceres. So we get even smaller, it's about 500 kilometers across. Soon after 1808, two more objects were found in the asteroid belt, Juno and Vesta. Both were, one of them was about the size of Ceres, one was about the size of Pallas. And then it became increasingly clear that they weren't alone in the asteroid belt. There were a lot more objects of increasingly smaller size. But for about 50 years, the solar system was defined by the planets of Mercury, Venus, Mars, Ceres, Pallas, and Juno and Vesta. So the solar system was very interesting at this time. But around the mid-19th century, they decided, with the discovery of a fifth object, Astra, they decided this isn't going to work anymore. So they redefined that area as asteroids and the asteroid belt. So we're back down to our seven planets. So at this point, what would the definition of a planet be? Uh, the definition of a planet, I would say, would be an object or orbiting the sun of a large size, a large object or orbiting the sun. So if I'm understanding you correctly, Pluto meets this definition of a planet. So uh, what happened that um, disrupted this? Yeah, so Pluto was discovered in 1930 by Clyde W. Tombaugh. And there wasn't really an issue until the late 20th century when astronomers started to find other objects out in the outer solar system near Pluto. And at first, it's not a huge issue because none of them are bigger than Pluto. You got to remember, Pluto's also been we now understand Pluto is a lot smaller than originally thought. And around 1915, there was predicted to be an object about seven times the size of the Earth. We now know Pluto is 1 459th the size of Earth. But it's fine to be a planet because it's still the largest object we found out there. But this all changed in 2000, January 2005 when an astronomer, a team led by astronomer Mike Brown found an object that would be named Ares. Now, Ares is, was originally thought to be slightly bigger than Pluto. It's now known to be like ever so slightly smaller, but for all extensive purposes, they're the same size. But we now have this other object out near Pluto, which is approximately the same size of Pluto. And we have the potential to find many more objects like it. And we don't want our kids having to learn all of these random names of planets that exist way out in the solar system because the real significance of a planet is a major part in our solar system. You think of the eight planets we know, these are really big objects that make a huge difference in defining what is our solar system. But that kind of gets distorted when you start thinking about, are we going to have five, six, ten other objects that are pretty small, pretty insignificant in comparison, also in the same category? So even though it was originally NASA announced the discovery as the discovery of the 10th planet, the International Astronomical Union, IAU, decided to meet to discuss a new definition of a planet. A planet clears out its area, also in its orbit. So the idea is like, Earth doesn't have another large object orbiting around the same area as Earth, because it has already cleaned up that area. And in August of 2006, they reclassified Pluto, Aries, and Ceres as dwarf planets, leaving us with our eight planet solar system we know today.
So from what we talked about with prop, it's pretty easy to see that uh, a lot of the definitions we have and a lot of what we know in science is changing very rapidly. So like something even as, uh, as seemingly simple as the definition of a planet changed so drastically over the past few hundred years. So after the downfall of Pluto or after it lost its planetary status, uh, a lot of what we know about the planet has changed. And a lot of that information comes from a space probe that we sent out called New Horizons. Yeah, so the New Horizons space probe was actually um, launched in 2006, unfortunately, just before Pluto was um, demoted to a dwarf planet. So they were hoping to find out a little bit more about the ninth planet of the solar system. And instead, uh, we learned a little bit more about just the dwarf planet. But nonetheless, it uh, was able to find out a lot um, when it eventually passed by Pluto in 2015. Yeah, and okay, so my favorite thing that they found out about Pluto is that it has red snow. And so that that's because there's a lot of methane, they think, in the environment. And I don't know, that kind of just reminds me of like, do you remember that scene in Star Wars um, oh, on Hoth one. with all like the red? Yeah. It's kind of how I imagine Pluto to be now. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not too far off. I don't know about the dogs and stuff, but it is like <laughs> supposed to be icy in, in a lot of places. So uh, that's correct, at least. So we've talked a lot about Pluto's past and its story and how we got to where we are. And the last thing I wanted to talk about would be just the future, I guess, or the future implications of this the path to discovery of Pluto. and. It goes back to Percival Lowell's theory about a planet X. And so Mike Brown, the guy who actually is credited with dethroning Pluto or taking away its planetary status, he thinks that there actually might be another planet X. It's just not Pluto. And the reason they think that is because they discovered uh, another dwarf planet uh, in the same kind of region as Pluto, and it's called Sedna. And... What they found when they looked at Sedna is that the perihelion, which is the point where, of its orbit, which is closest to the sun, is super far uh, in comparison to other planets. And what that suggests is that maybe there's another object with, which must have a very large mass that is attracting it um, sort of away from the sun. And as, uh, as they discovered this, there were more objects uh, with similar abnormal orbits and now there's at least five of them that suggest the possibility of this big mass. And they think it's a planet that's about 10 times the size of Earth. So it's kind of a similar process to discovery of what Pluto was. Um, and maybe we'll have another ninth planet that will replace the first planet X. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome because I think it's really interesting that kind of on our journey of discovering Pluto today... We've gone from eight planets in the solar system to nine with Pluto. And I think there's even a 10. Then we're back to eight. And now you're saying there might be nine. So like you said just a minute ago, uh, our knowledge is ever expanding and ever changing, especially when it comes to uh, science and things that are so far away uh, that it's even unimaginable. What Do We Even Know Anyways is created by Ryan Hochstein and me, Anand Srinivasan. 
Special thanks to Matthew Pratt for allowing us to interview him. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to rate and review us. Thanks for listening.